Let's pray. Father, we thank You that uh, though we live in this world, we are certainly not of it. That our citizenship is in heaven where Christ is seated at Your right hand. While we are here, we pray that You would sanctify us. Sanctify us by Your truth. Sanctify us by Your Word. And so as we have opened uh, the Word of God, as we have read this portion from it, use it by the power of Your Spirit. And God, we pray, sanctify us. Make us more like Jesus this morning as a result of sitting under the reading and proclamation of Your Word. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. For those of you who are visiting with us, it's our practice to work our way through books of the Bible. So we have been now in the Gospel of John for some period of time. And I have become a bit stalled in John 17. I think it is very timely for where we are as Christians living at this particular point in history. I think it has a lot to say on how we live for Christ. And last week I introduced this subject of the doctrine of sanctification. It's a big subject. And so I'm going to continue on that subject and plan on continuing on that subject again next week in a very practical manner. So, uh, what is this word sanctification? Well, sanctification is God's work in us, for He makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. He enables us to resist sin more and more, while at the same time helping us to follow and obey Him. God works in our heart desires so that He changes us from the inside out. Sanctification or being holy is not like makeup that's applied to the face outwardly, but rather it is an outgrowth from God's work in our soul. We are transformed from the inside, which results in a transformed outside. It results in a transformed life. That being said, it is important to remember that we all continue to sin. As we are talking about this idea of sanctification, about being like Jesus Christ, about becoming more and more holy, we never can forget that we are sinners, that we all sin, that we all continue, even as Christians, we continue to do things that displease God. This morning... In the short time that you've been out of bed, uh, you've done something or said something or desired something or thought something that was sinful. I guarantee it. Because the Bible says that we are sinners. And later today, you unfortunately will do something or say something, or desire something, or think something that will be sinful. Truthfully, you will do many things 
say many things, desire many things, and think many things that are sinful today. But God has promised to sanctify you. He has promised to sanctify you in spite of yourself. In spite of your sins. Christ prays for our sanctification. Look at verse 17. Jesus is praying to the Father here in uh, the entirety of John 17. And He says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. Christ's prayer for His disciples' sanctification embraces all of us. So Christ prayed in John 17 for your sanctification. Will Christ's prayers go unanswered? You can be sure that God will sanctify you because God is going to answer Christ's prayers in your behalf. Also, look at verse 19. He says, For their sake I consecrate Myself. We addressed this last week. This word consecrate literally is I sanctify Myself. And the idea here is He set Himself apart. So He's saying, I set Myself apart Why? That they also may be sanctified. That all His disciples, His eleven disciples that were there with Him in the garden, as well as all of us who name Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and trust in Him. He says, He set Himself apart that we might be sanctified. Christ, for your your sake, sanctified Himself. Christ uh, set Himself apart for the Father's service for your sake. Christ took on human flesh and came to earth for your sake. Christ endured every temptation for your sake. Christ died on that awful cross for your sake. Christ rose from the dead for your sake. Christ ever lives to make intercession for your sake. He did all this for your sanctification. I consecrate Myself, He said in verse 19, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Christ's prayer to the Father for our sanctification means that it is God who's doing the work of sanctification in us. Otherwise, He would have just simply commanded us to sanctify ourselves. But that's not what He's doing. He's praying to the Father, sanctify them. In other words, Father, He's saying, this is Your work. Father, sanctify them. As I said last week, God takes on the responsibility for our sanctification. Sanctification is essentially and primarily something that God does to us, in us, and for us. You can be confident that God will sanctify you. And God does it by applying to us the work of Christ by His Holy Spirit. I rejoice that I am a child of God because God will complete the work that He began in me. Do you have that confidence? Because Scripture says He will complete the good work that He has begun in you. If 
you are His child, He will sanctify you. The question for us this week is how does God sanctify us? How does He work sanctification in us? How does He make us more and more holy? How does God go about making us more like Jesus Christ? This, is, I assume, is a question that you have asked yourself. This is a question that I believe you are eager to have answered. In fact, I do not hesitate to assert that if you are not concerned about how to become more holy, if you're not concerned about how to become more like Jesus Christ, if you're not concerned about how to keep from sinning against God or how to obey Him more, then you're not a Christian at all. Every Christian, by definition, is concerned about this question because every Christian is concerned how to become more and more holy and truly devoted to their God. More holy and and truly devoted to their Savior, Jesus Christ. More, to become more holy uh, and devoted to, uh, to, to the Holy Spirit and making sure that they don't grieve Him. The subject of sanctification is often misunderstood. So before we ask, how does God do it? There are a few different... Uh, uh, negatives that I need to address in terms of the way that we misunderstand sanctification. I'm only going to give one this morning. Next week I'll uh, address a couple of more, I think. But, um, but this, this idea of, of sanctification, you know, I think Christians have a difficulty, have a, a, a greater difficulty understanding how they grow as a Christian than they do understanding the book of Revelation. Uh, in other words, the, the doctrine of sanctification, this idea of how God makes us holy, is a, a fairly complicated um, subject and one that uh, many Christians get wrong, or at least get parts of it wrong. Um, the, the man who discipled me used to say that there's a lot of stinking thinking going on when it comes to how God sanctifies us. Amen. So, one major area that Christians um, make an error is uh, Christians will think oftentimes, well, I've got to wait until I get power from God before I can really grow in my sanctification. Uh, Christians uh, tend to think that they cannot really truly repent of their sin until they have some big infusion of God's power. So they live with their sin and they pray for God to work in them. And as long, long as God doesn't bring them to repentance, then they're content to let their sin remain uh, and content to live with their sin. That's why conferences and revival meetings are so important uh, in Christian culture. Because we look for those conferences or a revival meeting to bring the power 
And we think if we just go to this conference, if we just attend this revival meeting, if we just read this book or, or, or go to this uh, counseling, then this will help us have that power. This will be the event that, that brings repentance or starts repentance in our life. Or we look to some life-changing event like a big accident or a, or a, or a, um, or a, a tragic accident or a big failure uh, to be that moment where God brings us to repentance. And so we're waiting for that moment. Um, and all the while, we're content to live in unrepentance. Maybe some of you have that attitude. You've prayed for years for God to take away whatever sin it is that you struggle with. And God has yet to take it away. And since He hasn't taken it, since He has not taken it away, you live with your sin even though it breaks your heart daily. As I've already said, this is God's work. He has promised to do it. You cannot repent of sin on your own. But you misunderstand the nature of how God sanctifies you if you are sitting around waiting for God to infuse you with power to repent before you're willing to repent. I know I'm speaking in uh, about um, making precise or, or close um, distinctions here, but I do think that that is the way many Christians live. Here's the point I want to make. God has given us a new nature in Christ. And therefore, He's created in you a new disposition towards sin and towards God. He's created in you new desires and longings after holiness. He has renewed your will and has given you power to live the Christian life. He has sent the Holy Spirit to live in your soul. He has united you to Jesus Christ. Remember John 15, the vine and the branches? He has united you to Jesus Christ as a branch is united to the vine. Sanctification truly is God's work in us. We must rely upon Him. But that does not mean that as a Christian you can sit back and wait upon God to to zap you with an with an additional infusion of power to repent, or you have to sit back and wait until God uh, disciplines you so badly through an accident or through some big failure that you're finally brought to repentance. Just the opposite. What this means is because God is at work in you, because He has changed you. Because you're a new person in Christ. Because His Holy Spirit is always, always, always dwelling in you. And you are always, always, always united to Jesus Christ. It means that His work is continually producing in us a mighty power for godliness. In other words, we don't have to wait on the power. The power of the Holy Spirit is already in us. You have the power to repent right now. You always have the power to repent of your sins because you are always connected to Jesus Christ. You always have the power to repent because you always have the Holy Spirit living in your soul. He's not hanging in the background of your life waiting on you to attend some revival service or go to some conference. 
He is always working in you. And He envies jealousy over you. Uh, jealously, I guess I should say, over you for your growth in sanctification. What I'm getting at is that God is working in, in you, therefore you must be working. Listen to Philippians 2, 12 and 13. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work. Or as the, the passage continues, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do, uh, in order to fulfill His good purpose. This passage says, you must work. You must always work. Paul says, whether in my presence or out of my presence, you must always work. You must always work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, the Christian life is a fight and a struggle. It's not easy. It requires everything we've got. But we know that we will be victorious, not because of ourselves, but because God is the one who is at work in us. So we are always to be repenting of our sins. We are always to be standing firm in our trust in God. We are always to be fleeing from unrighteousness. We are always to be cleansing ourselves from all evil practices. We are always to be seeking to obey all God's commandments in our actions, in our words, in our desires, in our thoughts. We are never given a vacation from living for God. And God is always at work in us. He never takes a vacation from helping us in our sanctification. Let me give you an illustration from Ephesians 4, 25-32. It's, it's an extended passage. Um, every verse, God is calling us to some area of repentance, either to quit some practice or to practice some practice. But he, all the way through this passage, He doesn't say, wait until you go to that conference until you do that, or, or wait until you have a, a personal moment of revival. He's, he's expecting us always to be obeying this passage of Scripture, verses 25 through 32. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Excuse me, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In every instance here, every form of repentance that He's calling us to, every form of obedience that He's calling us to, 
He doesn't say wait. He doesn't say take your time doing this. I guess the the one little passage, uh, verse 26, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Well, you know, if if you're angry in the morning, the very longest uh, time that you can go without repenting is a few hours. But I would not recommend that because that's actually... um, um, Paul is is not giving us a timeline for how long we get to repent. He's simply saying the danger of letting uh, anger continue in your soul uh, day after day. So God doesn't qualify um, this by saying wait for a revival service or wait for the life-changing moment. He doesn't even say wait for the end of the church service. No, He expects your repentance and obedience to Him to be immediate and continual. I understand that the Christian life will have its ups and downs, that it will have its victories and its failures. You still have the remnants of your old nature. Every one of us do. We will always struggle to be obedient. We'll always struggle as sinners. Um, But that does not mean that you must sit around or that you are allowed to sit around and wallow in your sin. It means that you must fight. It means that you must push forward. It means that you must pray earnestly, but your victory is assured. And I really haven't gotten to the method. We're going to get to that next week. I do want to just skim the surface a bit. Because the method here, we see in verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, God's method for sanctifying us is according to His truth. His word is the truth that Jesus is speaking of. God uses His word in our life to sanctify us. There are no shortcuts to repentance. There are no shortcuts to growth in Christ without God's Word. The Holy Spirit works in accordance with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit convicts us with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit encourages us with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit instructs us with the Word of God. In short, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us with His Word. Never apart from it. Let me remind you of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you're waiting for some experience or some infusion of power before you repent, you've got it all backwards. You depend upon the Holy Spirit as you study God's Word. You depend upon the Holy Spirit as you seek to understand God's Word. You depend upon the Holy Spirit as you seek to apply God's Word to your life. And as you're doing that, your trust in God grows more and more as you understand His promises 
as you heed His exhortations, as you grasp new revelations of His glory and mercy as, as God reveals Himself in the Word. And His power is unleashed in your life as the Holy Spirit uses His Word in your life. Because the Holy Spirit, His job in using the Word is to... Um, is to draw us to Jesus Christ continually, to, uh, to strengthen our relationship with the triune God. So I'm going to give you an assignment as I close. I want you to, this week, take your Bible, and you may even, if you're proficient with the computers or whatever, uh, open up a Bible program, BibleGateway.com or something like that, or use a concordance if you... Um, have one and look up different instances in the Bible where it talks about the sin that you particularly struggle with or maybe just one sin that you particularly struggle with and write those passages out. Study them through the week. See what the Bible says. See how the the Bible um, helps you to repent of those sins. See how if, if there's one of the characters in the Bible like Abraham struggling with something. Look at how uh, God brought him to repentance. Look at how Abraham uh, came to, to obey God or, 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 or some other biblical character who was struggling with the, in the very area that you're struggling in. But write these passages out. Think about them. Meditate upon them. Pray about them. Determine that you're going to repent uh, of this sin. Don't wait around on it. Um, part of your repentance is studying the Scripture and seeing how, how, uh, how you can say no to it, how you can flee from it. Uh, and the reason why I say specific sins, because I think it is wise, to pray uh, to repent of specific sins repentant uh, specifically if you're just going to have some broad big repentance um, then it can be so general that you don't really focus in on the area in your life where you're really disobeying God and then continue to repent through the week continue to flee from the sin continue to look up God's promises as it relates to obedience and how God sanctifies you. I want to give you this last one as we conclude. Verse 19, I've already mentioned it. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. In other words, this is a promise from God Himself to you that you can repent. And it will be difficult but you can repent and He will help you to grow in Christ. We'll be very practical about how He does this using His Word uh, in next week's sermon, Lord willing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You have promised to sanctify us, that Christ prayed specifically for our sanctification. And so we can take it to the bank that You will sanctify us. Lord, the fight is so, so difficult and so continual. Many are tempted to give up and have given up. 
and have um, developed a new normal in their Christian life that allows their sin to continue while they trust in You. Father, uh, show Your people how uh, sinful that is and how is it a a denial of Your promises and Your power. Father, make us holy because Jesus is holy. Make us holy because um, You can use us for Your service. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.